1: Welcome to the RotoWire NBA podcast. It is Monday, November 28th. Nick Whalen here, not with DJ Trainer, but with roto Andre Snellings. Uh, Andre, glad to have you on. I think you're going to be kind of a, a recurring guest on Mondays uh, in the future. Here, is, is that how this is going to work out?
2: Sounds like it to me, um <laughs> who would you say a recurring guest for whatever reason it made me uh, it, it, kind of felt like i'm a uh, infestation like uh, you got me you can't get rid of me <laughs> <laughs>
1: no quite quite the opposite actually um, you and I have talked quite a bit, you know on serious x m uh over the last few months uh, talking NBA, and of course, you write. Uh, the Hoops Lab, in addition to a bunch of other NBA content for rotowire.com. So uh, looking forward to getting to talk hoops with you more regularly, Dre. Um, but I want to start with, with the LA Clippers. Um, I mean, it was kind of easy to to look away, I guess, from the NBA this past week with everything going on. Uh, with the holiday week, you know, it's, it's always tough to, to keep up with everything as closely as we do night to night. Uh, you know, when you're traveling and you got family in town and things like that. I, you know, got back to Madison uh, on Saturday and, and started kind of looking back and combing through everything that had happened the previous couple of nights. And all of a sudden, the LA Clippers, who were kind of beating down everybody, you know, last night they lose to the Pacers by 20 plus points. They fell to the Pistons a game before that. Um, they look quite a bit more mortal uh, right now than they did not three or four days ago.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, they've been kind of fighting with their mortality for a couple weeks now. I mean, they've still been winning but, you know, I was Watching just, I mean, they had a close win over the Kings, a close win at home against the Bulls. Um, you know, their win against the Raptors was relatively close. They blew out the Mavs, but then they had those two losses. But I guess the thing is, is even though they, they kept winning, it wasn't like those first few weeks of the year where they were just destroying the game, right. you know. So um, I still didn't see that loss to the Pacers without Paul George coming. I mean, by 21, that like, that like that seemed a little extreme. But other than that, you know, maybe they they just were off to a really good start, and they were gonna they had some uh, regression to the mean coming anyway.
1: Yeah, I think that was the case in some ways. I mean, they were playing not necessarily over their heads because when you have Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, you know, it's not unrealistic to start a season you know fourteen and two like they were. I, I think that was probably a little bit better than people expected, but this is what you get when you know all three of these guys are playing at a high level and playing together, and most importantly, aren't injured. Um, but I mean, it's, this team scoring seventy points. And granted, they were on the road in Indiana last night, but still, um, like you said, no Paul George for the Pacers in this game, and it, it was just an all-around, you know, struggle-filled night for the Clippers. I mean, DeAndre had fourteen rebounds. Blake got to sixteen and nine. Chris Paul really, really struggled, and JJ Redick struggled as well. Uh, those two combined to go one of eleven from the field. I mean, I'm not worried about the Clippers. To me, you know, they're still the the second or third best team in the West. It's really hard to make a case. That anyone other than the Warriors Spurs and Clippers really belong in that top tier I've liked what I've seen from Memphis the last couple weeks Houston's been you know better overall uh, at least on the defensive end I think than some people expected and and what Harden's doing seems to be sustainable but to me it's still Warriors Spurs Clippers at the top And, and Spurs and Clippers I think will probably go back and forth throughout this first half of the season and really I don't know if it
2: matters all that much they're two and three in some order right Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, honestly, um, I think before the season started, I predicted, you know, on one of these shows, Warriors, Spurs, Clippers, in that order. And my co-host on the show at the time was saying, well... um, maybe spurs warriors clippers you know that the spurs will have an argument to be around for the whole year that they could have the best record last year so they may be able to sneak in a one but i do agree with you that those are the three teams um i was higher on the rockets i think you know coming into the year so i I think i I pegged them as four but i still see them as four i don't see them realistically jumping into that top three
1: yeah yeah i'm I'm with you on that i think I think teams like Memphis and Houston just have these fatal flaws, you know, that that a team like San Antonio and and even the Clippers don't have and, and certainly not the Warriors. I mean, in a 7-game series, you just you just can't expect James Harden to single-handedly, you know, bring a team like Houston, you know, over any of those three teams and I think Memphis, you know, you have your questions like yeah, sure. They, I mean, they allow ninety-seven points per game, you know, best in the Western Conference outside of Utah, but they only score, you know, just you know, point eight points ahead of that. You know, ninety-seven point six points per game compared to a Warriors team that scores, you know, almost one hundred twenty points per game. Like, <laughs> I, to me, that that's just not a sustainable, uh, sustainable number whatsoever. In the Eastern Conference, Cavaliers keep rolling. Uh, we saw that the entire team was at the Ohio State-Michigan game on Saturday, uh, and then they played a road game uh, in Philadelphia on Sunday afternoon. Not surprisingly, uh, came out a little bit flat in that one. Trailed actually for most of the game, but uh, Cleveland able to to end up beating the 76ers. Another triple double for LeBron as he continues uh, to, in some ways, take a back seat. You know, I think a lot of the expectation for this year was okay, he's got his title. Kyrie's ready to take on a little more. Kevin loves playing the best ball that we've seen from him in probably four years. Um, But, you know, LeBron's still able to put up numbers, even though it doesn't quite feel like he has to do everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, so I guess you, you mentioned them going through the Ohio State game and, you know, with all the news coming out of Columbus today, you know, we should uh, uh, send our, our well wishes and shout outs out to to the Ohio State community as they try to deal with what's going on. But um, as far as the NBA goes, um, I agree that the, the Cavs are on cruise control. And honestly, Of the teams in the West, I think the Spurs have been on cruise control. You know, they're the team that will sit their guys at the drop of a hat. I think the Warriors have still been trying to kind of prove themselves. And now they've started beating everybody by 20, so maybe they'll get on cruise control too. But um, right now, the, the, the Cavs and Spurs, to me, on a daily basis, just feel like they're like, you know what? We've got this, mm-hmm. you know, that that whole Philadelphia game, you said they came out flat and it's true, but they just, they, they just felt like a big brother to me th- watching it. They felt like a big brother playing against their little brother. Like, really? You're going to make, you're going to make me run today. Right. Exactly. All I, right, that's exactly let what me it felt like. It, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I fired that one up on League Pass, um, you know, as a kind of a diversion to keep me from watching my my Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's exactly how it felt. I mean, Cleveland Mm -hmm. trailing going into the fourth, you never really felt like they were in too much jeopardy. Um, But the thing is, like, this is a game where LeBron had to play 42 minutes, Kyrie had to play 41 minutes. That's not what they want, you know, especially against the Sixers, you know, especially uh, on a weekend game like this with 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 a tough slate of games coming up. we had this conversation every year, or at least the Cavs had this conversation or the then, you know, when LeBron was with the Heat this would come up, you know, whoever the coach was would come out and say, "All right, we're we're reducing LeBron's minutes, we're going to try to keep him in the low 30s, and then games like this happen where I think LeBron is just hes too competitive of a guy, and it's hard to to take it to you know basically say you know I don't want to play anymore or you know we need to keep your minutes at thirty two because that means you're going to lose probably a lot of games like this that could kind of go either way so it'll be interesting to me to see you know how the Cavaliers handle that going forward I mean, they only have two losses right now one of those losses came to Indiana when they sat LeBron James you know how many times are they going to be willing to do that uh, it's going to be interesting but. Coming up for the Cavs, schedule toughens up a little bit. They're at Milwaukee tomorrow. Uh, they, they traditionally play really well against the Bucks, so I don't think that'll be too much. But then they have the Clippers on Thursday. They're at Chicago on Friday and a back-to-back, at Toronto next Monday, and then at the Knicks. So I, mean, I think, like I said, you feel pretty good about the Milwaukee game. You probably feel all right about uh, LeBron in the garden against the Knicks. But uh, the, the Clippers and the Bulls on a back-to-back on Thursday, Friday, is, is going to be a tough test.
2: Yeah, it is. And I mean, you know, as you point out, you you were just uh, pointing out that they have several road games coming up. And if you look at the schedule, I mean, it needs to be balanced out like that. I think they have the fewest number of road games so far of any team, at least in the East, maybe in the NBA, because they've only played five road games and they play 10, ten home games. But um, where you started off, I think for them is going to end up being kind of the key. I think LeBron is going to coast some this year, whether that means more games completely off or, you know, games where they try to like run up the score and he could play like 25 minutes or something. Um, I think they'll try to find that that ground. But the fact that. Kevin Love and Kyrie are both playing well. You know, the championship, I think, was most important for them. You know, LeBron had the pressure on him because he wanted to bring a championship to his home team. But other than that, it wasn't affecting how he played. But Kevin Love was never himself in Cleveland. The whole time he's been there, he's looked like he's uncomfortable trying to figure out how much does he have to defer. Um, So, you know, and Kyrie, too, also was trying to prove himself. So now that they have that ring in their pockets, I feel like they can just kind of like let loose and, and 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 see what happens. And I think that'll help the Cavs as a whole and, and LeBron and his quest to rest um as the year goes along.
1: Yeah, I think that especially applies, you know, to Kevin Love. It, it was obvious, you know, for anyone who watches basketball, you know, for half of last season and the entirety of, you know, two seasons ago in this first year with the Cavs. How uncomfortable he was, you know, just kind of. It almost seemed like there was this conscience, you know, in the back of his mind. Just, do I shoot it? Do I pass it to LeBron? Am I shooting too much? Like, he doesn't have that anymore. He he's right. free to launch from wherever. And then he, as, as we've seen these last couple games, especially, um you know, he, he's improved as a three-point shooter, shooting over forty percent from threes. The only player in the league averaging uh, a double-double with points and rebounds, and also shooting forty percent from three. So. I mean, it's been an unbelievable start to the year for Kevin Love. This is a guy who wasn't an all-star last year. And I think right now the the Cavs are basically locked in barring an injury to three all-stars,
2: right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, Love was the one who was going to be the fall guy, like if it didn't work. Right. Um, and I think he always knew that. And, and plus they traded him for the number one overall pick in Wiggins. And Wiggins was the rookie of the year and he looked good. So I think Love was the one probably feeling the heat the most. He was more of a veteran, whereas Kyrie was a young guy. Now, I mean, what does he have to lose? He's like, you know, I've got my ring. I've got my money. um, You know, I'm I'm playing a really easy game on a really great team. So, you know, instead of maybe short-arming some of those threes before, now he can follow through. And I I think that and confidence is kind of all he needed to kind of reach his level. So, yeah, I think they're all going to be all-stars for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think they they figured something out near the end of last season. You know, we saw them tear through the first couple of rounds of the playoffs against Detroit and Atlanta, and, and even Toronto. I mean, they were pushed to six games, but it was never really in doubt. And you know, the Warriors are a different animal, and obviously, Love wasn't a huge factor offensively in that series. Uh, but it, but it seemed like they kind of figured out how to play together in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, and that that's carried over now to this season. Um, I wanted to ask you who the most surprising player is thus far. Uh, Now that we're a month in and things are a little bit farther beyond the, okay, it's only been five, six games, you know, now we got, you know, 14, 15 games under our belt and trends start to become a little bit more permanent.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I would say somebody that surprised me, um, and and we kind of talked about it before, but DeMar DeRozan is still there, you know, like he's, I mean, okay, he's not leading the league in scoring anymore, but He's essentially weighing in as I'm going to be among the league leaders and scorers um, moving forward. And I just I didn't see that kind of leap coming. And um, I've written about him a little bit recently. And so I've been kind of looking at the numbers more. And yeah, he, he, he stepped up a lot last year or he had a really good year last year compared to what had come before. But nothing like the jump he's taken so far this year. And um, the other day I was talking with DJ about Rudy Gay, yeah. about how, you know, people would just kind of tell oh, he's just Rudy Gay. And we were looking at his numbers and he's had essentially the same numbers for a decade. And I think that's where DeMar DeRozan was slotted in my mind. Like he was going to be just DeMar DeRozan. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> now he's DeMar Wade or, you know, like uh-huh. I, I don't know where that came from. But um, if I had to pick one person at this moment, I think that that's who catches my attention.
1: I'm not surprised you're talking Rudy Gay with DJ DJ has the <laughs> softest spot in his heart for Rudy Gay. No, DeRozan, really? I'm with you on DeRozan. I think I'm not necessarily that surprised that you know at what he's doing. I guess we've always seen this in flashes, you know, he's had those few 40-point games per year, but it was it was never consistent enough. I'm just surprised that he's still doing it. You know, when when it was four or five games into the year, it was a nice little story and you kind of figured he'd come back to earth, but he really hasn't. I mean, he's had a couple down games, but that—that's what happens when you when you take the the level of difficulty uh, of field goal attempts that he is, and he's not backing down from them, and it's working for Toronto. And they're still the second best team in the East. They're they look like they maybe have lost some ground behind Cleveland, and part of that is the fact that Cleveland just looks so good. Uh, mm-hmm. But but it's it's tough to on paper at least you know to win games when your best player is shooting you know twenty mid range shots per game, but it's working for them. So no, I'm with you on that. Uh, Jimmy Butler getting a lot of attention of late and rightfully so. Uh, he's been on fire for the Bulls. Are you? I mean, I, are you surprised? I guess it can kind of be the same question. You know, are you surprised that Jimmy Butler has made another leap? Considering it seems like each of the last two years he's already made these kind of leaps.
2: Not so much because if if, if you're to me, if you're the type of player that's making those types of leaps re- relatively consistently earlier in your career, mm-hmm. then it seems like you're on an upswing, you know, that, that you should continue to get better, um, that the team continues to kind of be more his. I mean, I guess – you can make the argument like, well, they brought in two kind of ball dominant players um, on the perimeter this offseason. So maybe it's a little surprising that he's still able to establish himself so much. But I don't really see it. You know, Wade's on the, the backside of his career and, and Rondo is never going to be a, a scorer. So, you know, Butler, it, it was there for him to, to kind of take the team by the throat, you know, Rose is gone now, the last MVP is gone. And I mean, he's at the right age at the right time. You know, I think had he been plateaued for five or six years, the way it, Appear that DeRozan was, then maybe it'd be more surprising. But you know, if you got a guy that, that keeps making those look uh, those leaps, maybe that uh, sock monkey that he advertises in the commercial is <laughs> it's worth it. Maybe we all do need to have a sock monkey.
1: <laughs> They've been running those for what? This is like the third straight year now. Like I love that it commercial, is. but like film another one. Like that one's so good. Like make them a series. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I mean Butler's been incredible. I I think if anything, I thought you know as an individual player i would you know he'd keep progressing but i worried that you know the additions of wade and rondo would kind of work against that and rondo hasn't played well at all at least numbers wise but from a personality standpoint and a fit standpoint this is like the best case scenario for the bulls right i mean what what are they now like 10 and 6 i think without yeah. looking right now um yeah 10 and 6 I mean, this things could not have gone better for them. I would not have been surprised at all if they were six and ten right now, or maybe even a little worse. Like just the the way that those styles, at least on paper, would appear to clash. Um, I mean, we were wrong. Dwayne Wade is shooting threes, and and it's not a spacing disaster like I thought it would be.
2: Yeah, Wade shooting threes was is kind of the 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 key to that. You know, because if Wade and you know Butler could shoot the three, if Wade could also shoot the three, then you know the teams can't just pack the paint the way they were threatening to. They actually have to come out and defend players and which maybe opens things up a little bit for Rondo, even though like you said, he's not playing well. I'm, you know, I have I have such a history watching Rondo because I was so invested in those Celtics teams when he was on there. And I'm also so invested in kind of the nerd advanced stats. And so I mean I've been jumping up and down on a soapbox for a really long time that I don't think he's underachieving, he's just not that good. Mm-hmm. That he was kind of in the perfect situation in Boston. He had a team full of guys that could shoot the 3 and had to be respected. And so because of that and because the offense was set up for the ball to be in his hand all the time, he could really rack up assists. I mean, that was, you know, that's that's the way the game was and it was older players, so he could hustle and grab rebounds and it kind of makes the stats look good, but mm-hmm. he's never been an impact player and I think on a team like the Bulls where not only um is the team not set up for him to just hold the ball all the time and 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 really funnel the assists but they also have these other young energetic guys on the rise like Jimmy Butler I think we're just kind of seeing this is kind of who Rondo's been I think this is a podcast record we've gone almost 20 minutes without so much
1: as mentioning the Warriors or anything even related to the Warriors <laughs> um but right now and we talked a little bit about Cleveland already but As things stand right now, the Warriors have two losses. They seem to have found a groove and really haven't played a close game, it seems like, in a few weeks. Do you feel better, worse, or the same about the Warriors' title chances right now uh, than you did before the season started?
2: I feel the same right now as I did before the season started. Now, um, you know, I mean, I, you, you may remember, I, I wrote about, you know, when, when Durant came, yeah. how I called him Goliath and was talking about how scary they were. And then I think we actually, um, you and I talked on on the Rotowire uh, Fantasy Sports Show, yeah. uh, you know, when they lost those couple games early, like, you know, well, was this a problem? And, you know, we were saying then, they just, give them, give them a week. Give them a couple weeks, you know? <laughs> let, let them pl- practice together and, and play together and you know it is it, is it, gonna even out they're there they were just way 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 too talented, and the talent matches you know it's yep. not like the 04 Lakers or you know a team that you put together where they all have the same skill set like if, if if your offense is built around three of arguably the best shooters at their position of all time, um they're gonna be able to shoot and and they're gonna be able to share the ball now, maybe. Klay Thompson's numbers, uh, volume-wise, aren't going to be what they, they could have been without those teammates, but eventually they're going to find their levels, they're going to make their shots, in. they're going to start winning by 30.
1: Yeah, I and mean, that's really what they've done. 11-game win streak now for Golden State, and it seems like it's not really gotten all that much attention. Maybe this is just what people expected from Golden State, but they've, they've kind of managed to fly under the radar. I, I feel like losing on opening night to San Antonio and then losing a couple games later to the Lakers... like it almost tempered expectations and tempered some of the hype to the point that, you know, people have have kind of backed off of golden state a little bit. And it's not this just crazy, insane circus uh, that we might've thought it would be. And I think some of that too is, you know, maybe, maybe the media just got that out last year because so much attention was paid to the and It's like, it would maybe be impossible to, to talk about them any more than they did last season. But I mean, you start looking ahead, they got four straight home games uh, before a five game road trip, Hawks, Rockets, Suns and Pacers, I mean I, I I was going to say you like their chances in all those games' but like is there any game that you wouldn't like the Warriors chances? I mean they're at the Clippers next Wednesday. That's one that you have circled uh and then they're at the jazz the following Thursday so a back to back at the Clippers at the jazz, maybe that's where the streak comes to an
2: end maybe I maybe. mean
1: like at twenty percent chance like I don't know, you don't feel good about them losing any night,
2: yeah, I mean so like like you were saying we we saw last year that they can just say, you know what, we're not going to lose anymore right. and just decide not to lose, and they won't. So they, they still have that talent. They had to figure out the fit around Durant. That Maybe that's been a little surprising for me that I, I thought that Durant was going to have to fit around the team, and instead right. he's come in and been the centerpiece, and they fit around him. But they they figured out how to do that. And so um, other than that, there's, you know, or maybe injury. I mean, I, I don't see anything else to create any regular season drama no for them and they've already set the record for 73 wins. So it is like after uh, McGuire and Sosa broke the, the, the baseball home run record the next year, if somebody would have been hitting home runs at that pace, it'd be like, okay, we've, we've been there, done that, you know? And then plus, I mean, timing is everything too. Even NBA fans are in the regular world and we just had the craziest presidential election of all time. You know, we just had a, a nuts college football two weekends you know like there's there's enough going on that they're not just the story the way they could be and um you know i I really don't think we'll see that again this year i think for them the the bigger circus will come as you start getting towards the 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 championship
1: yeah i think there's that i think the bar you know like like we talked about is just set so high for them we're like for a normal team an 11 game win streak where you're blowing everybody out and scoring 149 points in regulation (laughs) that would be a big deal but like the bar is set so high for golden state that you know we've seen this before like you said like they need to get to like twenty wins before people start paying attention to it, which is just absolutely absurd. But uh yeah, any any issues that people thought might have arisen with Clay Thompson or with Draymond Green, like they they seem to have fully moved past those. Clay's shooting forty nine percent for the month, forty percent from three, back up over twenty points per game. So I mean mm-hmm. this team is going to be this team is gonna be just fine. I, I think they beat the Clippers on Wednesday. Um, you know, we'll see how that back to back works out. But I mean for them I think the big game is is Christmas Day at Cleveland and that is going oh, yeah. to be that is going to be quite the scene and then they play uh, they play the Cavs at home less than a month later. So I mean we do have to wait basically 2 months for our first uh Cleveland Golden State matchup and then we get two in the matter of about 3 weeks which will be very very nice. Um all right before we talk a little bit of DFS for Monday fantasy MVP so far and and there's a pretty decent chance that this might coincide with league MVP uh, but for you, who is who has been your fantasy MVP?
2: Yeah, you know, DJ and I talked about that a little bit on Friday, and... Um I, you know, at the end of the conversation, I had talked myself into somebody I hadn't expected, and that's Kevin Durant. I mean, we were just talking yep. about him. He's the one – like, coming into the year, I really thought that he would be the elite player that took a step back. You know, that the Curry would still be the fantasy MVP of that team because he would still be – it would still be his team, and Durant would have to learn how to operate without being the primary scorer. Well, he's still scoring as well as he ever had, but now he's adding some dirty work stuff to it. The other day when Draymond didn't play, he had, like, what, five blocks or something and, you know, pulling down ten boards. So, you know, if if he's still going to be the high-volume scorer, he's always been. His efficiency shouldn't go anywhere on this Golden State team. And, I mean, if he's adding a few other little things to it, then, yeah. I mean, I I could give it to Anthony Davis – but i'm never confident that he's going to finish a right. given game and yeah he plays more games than not and right. and th- th- this year he's playing at a space jam level but i just i'm i'm nervous every time i pick him for dfs right. let alone in a year long league so yeah i think right now i would have to say durants the, the got the inside track
1: yeah i think i'm with you on that i mean it- every he's basically up across the board everywhere switching to a new team you know let alone the golden state warriors who have three other you know elite options and i thought he would regress a little bit too maybe not necessarily from a scoring standpoint but i thought his playmaking would decrease uh, I thought there would be an adjustment period, and that has not been the case at all. I mean, his his rebounding numbers are almost identical. His assist numbers are almost identical, and then like you said, he, he's he's added more steals, more blocks. He's one point per game, you know, lower than he was last season, which is marginal and will probably change as the season goes on. But I mean, effective field goal percentage up six points. Overall field goal percentage up seven points. You know, he's <laughs> up he's up six points from three. I mean, it. I think you and I might have talked about this on the XM show earlier. Of You know he's taking two fewer three pointers per game, uh, but he's making only you know zero point four fewer three pointers per game, which to Mm -hmm. me means he's just getting better looks. You know he's not he's not taking those tough contested you know couple dribble pull up looks that we saw so often in OKC where they're trying to manufacture shots late in the shot clock. In Golden State, there he's stepping into threes. He's he's hitting threes Mm -hmm. in transition. Like every look is a clean
2: look. Yeah, I mean he's on a team where he cannot be doubled. Like I, I always. Think back to to when Shaq and Kobe, you know, were, were the big thing for the Lakers in the early 2000s. Kenny Smith off of uh, TNT made the comment that Kobe Bryant was the greatest one-on-one player in the world that got to always play one-on-one. <laughs> That's exactly what everybody on the Warriors is right now. You know, they, they 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 never have to worry about being doubled. And these are players that have... You know, especially Durant, always been doubled. So right. now they're like, "Wow, I can be a perimeter player to shoot fifty-seven percent if if I only ever have to beat one guy."
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's it, this is something that I think has gone as we expected. You know, it was mm-hmm. um, you know some some of the things with this Warriors team to start the year haven't gone that way. But the, like you said, you can't double Durant because then you're leaving Curry, and you can't double Curry because then you're leaving Durant. And then that's before even factoring in Draymond Green and factoring in Clay Thompson. Um mm-hmm. so yeah I mean is where are you at on the Warriors by the way overall do you
2: do you find yourself rooting for the Warriors against the Warriors do you not care I find, I'm kind of agnostic for them like um I think you know I mean I'm an Ohio boy so okay. um you know on the Warriors Cavs continuum I'm going to pull for the Cavs Last year, I think before the the, the final series started, I, I wrote an article about how the Cavs could beat the Warriors. Well, I know I wrote one about how Oklahoma City could beat them, and I thought I was a genius until they <laughs> blew that 3-1 league. But, you know, like so I felt like there were teams that could beat the Warriors, but they were the favorites against everybody. And then even though they lost, they were still the favorite, and then they added Kevin Durant. So it's hard for me not to, to see them as the favorite, but I'm going to be pulling for Cleveland. and. I kind of would be pulling for the Clippers too. I don't know that I really believe they could beat them the way they're currently constructed, but um, you know, I, I kind of I, I like some other teams more than the Warriors. Um, and uh, you know, some of my friends I'm sure are, are cringing because they're huge Warriors guys, but they're, they're they're not my favorite team, and they're not the feel good team that they maybe once were. So you know, I, I have no qualms pulling for other teams. Is
1: that how you felt about the Heat uh, while LeBron was there too?
2: They were interesting. So I felt I I was never – because, again, it's not a secret. I've never made a secret. I'm a big Kevin Garnett fan. So when the the heat were there, even though the Celtics were getting old, there was still enough fire left in the tank that I could pull for them. Mm. Um, The way LeBron left Cleveland did kind of leave a taste in my mouth. I never – Held it against him the way others did Like, oh, this, you know, tarnishes his legacy I always understood why he did it I just thought he maybe he didn't handle it the, the best way But they, they they were never a team I would pull for Because I already had a contender that that was who I wanted to win And I thought it would be really interesting I, I just knew Miami was going to win that first title When they got there against Dallas I didn't see Dallas spanking them like that So after that, going into year two When the Celtics took them to game seven of, 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 of that finals I was really like man if if LeBron loses the first two years of this super team this could get real interesting but then you know once they started winning then you know okay well they won and it was all good but but yeah they they they, they never had my heart maybe that similar to the same way the Warriors don't have it
1: Mm. I think it's good for the league though overall I think if you I mean the parody argument is still there but I think it's good to have uh, a villain I guess in the league and and the Warriors, as far as villains go, are, are like a lovable villain, I think. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe try telling that to people in Cleveland. But uh, I think the the Warriors-Cavs rivalry, on top of all the kind of little mini storylines like that go on throughout the NBA, is a nice kind of overarching uh, storyline. Because nobody nobody wants to see like a Raptors-Clippers final, to be
2: honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, there's a lot of truth in that. And and I do think, because I don't even know if I would call them a villain, but I think they're charismatic. I think right. Cleveland and the Warriors are two poles of power that are charismatic. And the NBA hasn't had a lot of that. Like, I grew up with that. It was always right. the Lakers and the Celtics in the 80s. You know, then when it was the Bulls, they didn't have the charismatic partner, but Jordan was so much of a, a focus that he was kind of able to carry it by himself. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know... I guess briefly, you know, the teams were getting older, but I felt like, you know, maybe six, seven years ago, we had that with the that iteration of the Lakers and Celtics too. It wasn't just teams that – that were, you know, able to win a title, but they were teams that you knew they were going to be good. Mm-hmm. They had charisma, they had personality, and you could choose one to get behind. So yes, it is fun to have a Cinderella team maybe make it a certain way into the dance. But yeah, when you get to the finals, it is kind of cool to, to know it's going to come down to this group of a uh, couple teams and, and you can start uh, getting your popcorn ready uh, at the start of the year.
1: All right, so let's take a look at Monday's uh, DFS slate. we got seven games on the slate on Monday. Uh, Atlanta-Golden State is is kind of the highlight from a DFS perspective, uh, that one being the late game in Golden State. we got Utah-Minnesota, Charlotte-Memphis, Philly-Toronto, OKC-New York, Boston-Miami, and Sacramento-Washington. Uh, well, it's a Russell Westbrook day. He's priced $2,200, at least on FanDuel, ahead of anyone else on the slate. Are, are you a Westbrook guy generally?
2: I, I often am. Um, tonight it's a, a split, you know, so I don't have him on my main FanDuel team. I do have him on my main DraftKings team. So it's, you know, his price is so uh, so high that sometimes you feel like, well, maybe I can get around it and get somebody else and, and fill them in. But when the dude is throwing in 75-point games, it, it, it's hard to have a price that's so high that that he's still not worth it so especially you get those double and double double and triple double bonuses on on DraftKings. so i've got him there and fan duel i'm going to see if i can make the steph curry john wall backcourt um uh put up some numbers for me
1: all right yeah well what about any other guards that you're keeping an eye on whether it's expensive guys like curry and wall or, or kind of cheaper options to pair with those two
2: yeah, so, um, you know, because I have Westbrook on, on that, their DraftKings team and the budgets aren't as high, I have to, to to kind of fill it in. So Brandon Jennings is, you know, like three out the last four, maybe four out the last five games, been really solid for, for the Knicks at pretty much budget prices. So um, I, I tend to kind of pair him with the high price guys. I'm looking at Sergio Rodriguez, um, especially if he gets to start again today, because yep. um, he was pretty solid again yesterday and, and his price is even lower um and then just kind of mid-range guys I always like uh Avery Bradley he he's yeah. he's, he's I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit because the team is healthier the Horford's sitting out tonight so maybe he can get his rebounds tonight um but yeah I like it I've been looking at Bradley and and Victor Oladipo has actually uh stepped it up over the last couple of weeks and, and he's gotten back on my radar
1: all uh, right same same question for the forward position um well I mean do you, do you start with Durant he's he's Uh, let me let me add this up about twenty one hundred dollars more expensive than Carmelo Anthony uh, who's the second highest priced uh, small forward a little bit more uh, appealing options at power forward you got Draymond Millsap Porzingis but I mean at small forward if you're not going Durant you pretty much have to go with you know probably two of Anthony Gordon Hayward Rudy Gay Otto Porter Andrew Wiggins because if you're not putting Durant in your lineup I don't know if you can afford to you know to go too cheap at small forward
2: yeah so that's an interesting trade-off um I was looking at my teams and actually I don't have Durant on either one of them because as I said I kind of went big in the backcourt Mm -hmm. with both teams um and then I also uh uh, where I could win big in the front court. Um, like uh, I, 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 DeMarcus Cousins has really just been blowing up the spot lately, and that might be jumping a little ahead. But um, be, because of that, I have been looking at small forward, as, and, and really both forward positions is, is kind of places to get some value. Um, so uh, taking a chance on some leagues, you know, I've got a uh, uh, – uh, how about to say Joe Johnson? <laughs> That's my man in Miami. Um, James James Johnson? yeah yeah James Johnson, okay, like uh, I don't know why I'm blanking and, and on the screen it just says Jay Johnson, but yeah well, that,
1: that's kind of the entire heat roster at this point,
2: exactly, exactly, but you know the the heat like Johnson's been playing well anyway, mm-hmm. and then they their injury situation I'm not sure, but I know they said both waiters and Tyler Johnson sitting tonight, so maybe he he gets a little bit more responsibility even than he's been getting lately, so um, you know, I guess it depends on if uh, if Dragic is able to play, but but so I'm, I'm taking a chance with James Johnson. Looking a little bit at Kent Baysmore, though I feel like there's a good chance that the Warriors win by seventy-three. And so he might not play the whole game. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he, he he's a little bit more of, of a of a risk to me. But um and then um uh, among power forwards, um, Jamichael Green has been catching my attention. I mean, it's tragic that that Zach Randolph, you know, lost his mom last week, but because right. of that he's out, which has been giving Green a little bit more playing time. So um, he's a low price guy I've been looking at. And then, um, also, uh, my man, Ilya Sova, uh, Ilya Sova for Philadelphia. Big fan of Urson. Yeah. You know, he's been, I mean, when he gets minutes, he produces, it's been pretty consistent over his career and he's starting right now. And then, plus this is also a, a no MB night, which means all of their bigs might, might get a little bit more run. Mm-hmm
1: all right good stuff there which game are you keeping an eye on just watching you know on league pass tonight I, th- I think I'll be doing Utah Minnesota if I can if I could pry the TV away from the Packers game
2: for my roommates yeah exactly I mean pretty much Minnesota is always at the, at the top of my, my watch list so I'll be paying attention to yep. them um you know I guess as a backup Russell Westbrook you almost always have to watch him like mm-hmm. he him and James Harden and maybe Anthony Davis are like kind of individual must-see TV. So um, I'll probably... Pay attention to him just to see if he decides to jump over the backboard or punch through the stanchion, or I mean, you know, like, the, like both of those things are bound to happen at some point this season. Exactly, like everything is in play when he's when yeah. he's playing. So I would so, be yeah, surprised be my... if he
1: doesn't punch through a stanchion, honestly, at this point. <laughs> uh, Dre, good stuff. Uh, DJ and I will be back on the pod tomorrow. We'll be talking with Aaron McMahon, uh, a Pistons reporter for mlive dot com. But Dre, I think we'll have you back either next Monday or the Monday after.
2: Uh, Yep, I think we're going every other Monday, so I look forward to it.
1: All right, thanks for joining me, man. Have a good day.
2: All right, man. Peace. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.